And we're back. And we're here with Andrew again because uh, we've decided to have a twice a month footballer's corner. No, we haven't really, but I feel like eventually one of our tangents will somehow end up talking about that because I'm looking at uh, a player's face right now based on a link that Andrew sent me. Um, he plays the, 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 the Jose, not Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho is the manager, not okay. the face you're looking at. The face you're looking at is. Um, what was his name again? I've already forgotten. Um, Tahith Chong, Chong, who I didn't know. Chong, I didn't know, but he he's like a, a youth player for Manchester United. And today was their final um, friendly game, which they play against Bayern Munich. And he got to play 10 minutes. And I was like, who's this guy? I don't know his name. So I was looking at his profile picture and I was like, oh, that's who you are. That is who he is. And that is his face. Yeah. So that's happening. But yeah, so today we're going to uh, attempt to talk about some of the Canadian announcements. But up front, uh, there's some seriously pressing news that's very relevant to my interest. And listener and the everyone I know who sent me either a text or forwarded me the post from Instagram. Yes, I am aware that Patrick Stewart is returning to the Star Trek world in a new show, and I, I don't feel like I'm still ready to express my feelings on this, but I feel like I have to start to work them out. Uh, it, feelings include um, joy, excitement, uh, trepidation, because in my mind, uh, he did something perfectly. So I don't know if I want to see it again, but I definitely want to see him again. So yeah. I, I don't know. So, Andrew, I don't even know. Do you even watch Star Trek? Like, does this mean anything to you? Do you care? <laughs> um, I watch Star Trek in that I like the new movies. <laughs> I've never really been a huge Trek person. Um, I used to watch lots of the old movies um, when I was like, when I was younger, but they never really caught me. I definitely saw a lot of The Next Generation, but once again, never really caught me. It's weird because I only saw like headlines of this story, and I interpreted it that someone that the character was coming back and someone else would have played him. So I didn't know that he him, that Patrick Stewart himself was going to be coming back. Oh, he himself. Um, so that's interesting. Yes, Sir Patrick oh, okay. Stewart is returning. Uh, and we don't know much about the new show. It was announced at the Star Trek Las Vegas. So they have their own dedicated convention, and that's one of the many uh, in the paroxysms of ecstasy that people have been expressing on the Internet that they're really happy that they saved this announcement for uh, the Star Trek Con versus doing it at Comic-Con. And it just shows this continuing trend of uh, IP owners and distributors kind of pulling back from the Comic-Con type venues and events and saving some of their best stuff for their own uh, events. So that's interesting. And yeah, he announced that he'll be returning. And I'm very excited. He's still trending on Twitter today. So that's a thing that's happening in the world, which I, I'm just thrilled about. I feel like Sir Patrick Stewart should always be trending on Twitter. It, it's a it's a great day to be a Trek fan. I was going back into look at some of my uh, favorite episodes from the past, and I was very uh, not surprised, but I'd forgotten this. One of the first episodes he's he directed uh, was one of my favorite episodes of the show. 
It's called In Theory, and it featured Brent Spiner's character, Data, who was dating a woman who uh, wanted to have uh, a new relationship. She was on a rebound situation, and her previous boyfriend had problems expressing his emotions, so somehow she thought dating a fully functional robot would be a good idea. And that, to this day, is one of my favorite episodes. It's not like a big, flashy one. There's not... Uh, anybody getting kidnapped by the Borg. They aren't killing any security officers. Spoilers uh, for the early seasons of Trek Next Generation. But there's a shot at the end where Data's sitting alone in his uh, room that he's completely changed for this woman, uh, petting his cat spot, not a euphemism. And it's just a gorgeous sort of bit of acting and directing and I really enjoyed it and then to sort of be reminded that he directed that I also hope when he comes back he gets a chance to direct some episodes so like from the original series Nimoy and uh, others were really sort of pioneered that movement for actors to get to actually direct episodes on their shows and then to get to use that as a way to um, have another career after their show is over. And I'd say of all of the Trek sort of actors, Jonathan Frakes is the one who's basically become like a, you know, sci-fi director who works on a bunch of other shows. But just the fact that he's going to be back on screen, like, I can't even. I'm just rambling nerd nonsense right now. I should just basically I'm like is that like supposedly a Star <laughs> Trekky thing? Like that they're the show that started actors directing episodes to become more than just act TV actors? It's one of the many things they did, yeah. Well, what it was the movies with the original series Cats, but yeah, like getting a chance to direct and not just be in it, that they were uh, one of the earliest folks to do it on a reg. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they, they've done so many great things. But Patrick Stewart is just a cool dude, man. Like, hanging out out in the streets, funny tweets, rolling with his boy, McKellen. And I can't wait to see him again and hear him again. And all those little Picardisms, whether or not he's actually in full on uniform at some point, he has to like tug at the bottom of his shirt, uh, or do a face palm head rub thing or look at somebody mildly frustrated while not betraying any emotion and, you know, give a beautiful monologue on how, you know, people should be treating each other. And I, I, I'm slightly overcome just thinking about it. I, I might want to go in and do a mini rewatch of like Picard focused episodes just to get ready for it. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is CBS. Who's your trick character? Like, Who's your my ultimate yeah your ultimate trek character i can't no no i mean i what jumps to my mind is jordy a little bit always because uh you know he's always kind of like unsung hero he really he's talked in interviews about this how his character never really got to smash on the show um it's just you know, down, down in engineering, just grinding it out and not as maybe flashy as Scotty and, you know, getting 
big ups for his miracles when they had the crossover. Uh, Jeeb's doing in his character. They have a moment where Scotty's like, you can't like tell them how long it actually is going to take you to do this impossible thing. You like tell them it's impossible. Then like everybody gets to freak out and be excited when you do it. So yeah, I think Jordy's just like, he's constantly grinding, man. Much like LeVar Burton. He's just, yeah. I think I gotta so go for Jordy. I had to I had to Google it while you were talking about Jordy just to make sure that this is LeVar Burton because yes. me growing up watching little of this show I watched when I was young, I just knew of him as I called him Cyclops because that was because of the Pfizer. I was more of an expert person. <laughs> I didn't know his name. I'll allow it. It, it was. It was. Uh, you shouldn't be talking to me. It was. It was a pretty uh, interesting choice with regards to uh, a device to use banana clip. I will say. So, how about this? The character that I would most like to be like, and I think maybe when I'm being uh, one of my better selves is Jordy. The character that I'm probably most actually like is Worf, where he just wants to like fuck shit up. And he's usually right. He's usually in the first five minutes of the episode. Worf is, you know, advising against inching closer to this spatial anomaly or, you know, getting into an attempt to have diplomatic relations with these sketchy people whose, you know, motives seem suspect. He's usually pretty spot on and, you know, advises either not engaging or blowing shit up or not really backing away. He's still a Klingon. But yeah. Like, not engaging or blowing shit up, but, you know, Picard, he's all about engaging. Literally, that's his one of his catchphrases. So, mm. yeah, I think I'm probably more like Worf, but I'd like to be more like Jordy. So, you know, Jordy, Jordy in the streets, uh, Worf in the sheets, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I might need to make that shirt. <laughs> But we'll move on. Yeah, you got you got yourself some good merch there. You got yeah. yourself some great merch going right there. Yeah, yeah. But we'll move on and uh, we'll talk about... Uh, I've been listening to, actually, or watching on Netflix a lot of the, the comedy uh, specials that they have. Not all of them, but sort of going through them. Because, again, the world is still kind of a trash fire. They've got a lot. They've got a lot. And the world is still a trash fire. And I can't keep just watching the last 30 minutes of Disney movies over and over. So, but then the challenge is sometimes you find uh, these specials where, whether it's like a Hannah Gadsby's Nanette or some of the Bo Burnham and stuff, where people are working out their personal stuff. And you go for the last and then you stay to, like, have this, like, shared deep emotional uh, mental health experience. So, yeah, I uh, watched a couple of his specials, and I also listened to the the bit that's like the explaining the Kanye song thing on another podcast called Good One, where they talk to different comedians about yeah. a bit or a joke. So I actually listened to that podcast before I watched the special. It's weird. Like for comedy stuff, I will listen to a special or an artist talk about their set 
before I watch the full special. Whereas with movies, I will not listen to a podcast. I don't want to read reviews. But I'm okay with being spoiled for comedy, even though it is all about sort of the turn or how something builds. I don't know why I do that to myself. That's interesting because I'm the opposite way around. Like, I, it's something that, like, my friend Damon is a huge comedy person. And, like, he he will know comedians' names long before I ever get around to even pretending to know who they are. Um, I think the, the most recent example of it is John Mulaney, where I didn't know who John Mulaney was until um, his special that came out, the, the Comeback Kid, I think it's called. Um, he has this great bit in there about his him as a child getting to meet um getting to meet the the, the soon to be president at the time um why am i bill clinton bill clinton um and like stories about his family and all sorts of shit um and like I now that I'm watching more, I'm following a lot of these comedians more and more. Like the lead up to like a new special coming out, you'll see them do all of the press circuits, and you'll see them do like the late shows. You'll see them be on SNL. You'll see them be on some other show, and I might watch a clip of that. And then I've come to realize slowly but surely that all they're doing is they're doing like a condensed version of the bit that is in the special. Yeah, <laughs> and then I get upset working when I watch the, the special, and then it's. No, but that stuff's recorded from forever ago. So like they have it down pat already. Yeah. And I now get I then get upset later on, like the, the then two weeks later the special hits Netflix or whatever service that it's out on. And then I'll watch it and I'll be like, Oh, that was the joke he did on the, the SNL opening. I was I didn't need to why'd he do that? Like I'm why he did it it's economical and it's <laughs> it works out um but in my mind i'm like i want him to save save all the special things to remain special for me me i need it to be special <laughs> i don't need comedy spoiled but movies on the other hand i'll listen to people talk about movies and come to it later without a problem i i'm done with movie spoilers they're not spoilers they're just conversations so do you go to see comedy live at all um, when I can, I've, it's not been something I've been able to do for a while. Um, but I want to a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately the last comedian I saw live was Louis CK. So I need to see somebody else, but I don't normally go see comedy live. So it's one of those things where I need to. Ha- okay. I want to, I want to talk about this now. <laughs> it was before, obviously. Why? What? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's what I'm think that's what I'm getting at. I'm like, why you sound like you're slightly upset at yourself for going to see Louis C.K. Well now right? I am. Is, am I reading that right? Well now I am. But but how can you be upset at yourself? Like you wouldn't have known. Did you have a good time? See I don't know what what's I did. to be upset at. I did have a good time. So it's this <laughs> it's this challenge that we have now in the post Me Too world where it's the enjoyment retroactively is spoiled by knowing about the person or what the person did with their usually penis. Um, yeah. So all I think about every time I remember enjoying that show, which I try not to think about that often because it's not like, Oh, it was the best thing I ever saw is just, you know, somebody's ginger freckly parts being exposed to people without their consent. So yeah, I'm, I should just, like, see another comedy show is what I'm saying, so that 
I don't have this. The last comedian I saw alive is Lucy Kate because it's been a while. Like it's been over a year. I saw Bill Cosby live. Um, really? When I did my undergrad, so I was like eighteen. Um, not eighteen. Was I eighteen? I was probably eighteen. Um, and for years, it was the thing I found over my family because my father is a massive Bill Cosby fan. And so, like, the, like I fly off to America to go to school. Um, I went to a school in Wisconsin for a year. Um, and Bill Cosby was playing in that town. And I bought a ticket and I went to watch it. And then for, like, years after, I had a school and, like, he, my father would put on a Bill Cosby record. And he'd be like, I'd be like, I've seen him live. And my father would just score me. He'd be like, mm. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a household of like Bill Cosby fans. Um, my father owns like every Bill Cosby record. Um, my father used to tell me and my brother like bedtime stories where basically he cribbed Bill Cosby jokes and made them bedtime stories for us. Hey, I, um, I even read the books. And, I, I loved his books too. Yeah. And, and this is the one part of this whole thing ongoing that people want to pretend to have problems with but but I have simple solutions for or at least I think I have simple solutions for which is that like I can't take away the enjoyment I've had for 30 years of my life of Bill Cosby it's impossible I agree with you to there. pretend that I can take right yes. <laughs> um I I I can tell you that whatever any one of these names that has happened before and will happen in the coming decades that this 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 conversation continues send them all to jail stop them now yes right but don't don't look me in the face do don't you dare look me in the face and say andrew you can't like that anymore like that's where i draw the line but i think i choose to feel like whenever i remember the enjoyment now i also remember what i know about them so i have uh challenged partitioning my brain and separating the person from the thing that they did. And and there is like a recency bias in there too, where there's trash people from years and years and years ago, or, you know, when you watch something from a long time ago, I was just listening to Thirst Aid Kit podcast, the Sadly De- Dead Bay episode where they talk about Patrick Swayze, and they talked about rewatching Ghost and it being soups problematic including the whole magical negro thing with Whoopi's character and like not terrible but just now that hopefully wouldn't happen or at least it wouldn't be that bad or obvious and i loved ghost when it came out i was very much on the patrick Swayze train from dirty dancing all the way oh god point break let's not i'll just oh i love dirty dancing so much Oh, we could just do a full like Patrick Swayze tangent. But yeah, anyway, point is, I don't, my enjoyment of things, sometimes when I watch it again, I see things that I wouldn't have noticed then. Or because everything had uh, challenges or so many things were problematic back then or so many things like had so few people who weren't, um, you know, cisgendered, Caucasian, whatever, in most of the lead roles, that even if they were doing something really not right with the, you know, sassy friend, waitress, nurse, bus driver, whatever character, 
you were just so happy to see anybody who had a, any hint of melanin, you were fine. But now when you go back and watch some of those things, you're like, ooh, tough, 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 tough look. So it's, uh, it's the, I enjoyed it. I can't unenjoy something that like I already enjoyed. I did it. I enjoyed it. That's okay. However, you can also, you have to like look at things through a different lens. So that's, and right now my lens is obstructed by imagining what uh, Louise Faust looks like. But back to Bo Burnham. Back to Bo Burnham. Let, let's. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> We have not yet decided to throw into a trash river, Bo Burnham. Yeah. Um, don't worry. His time is coming in 10 years. Yeah. Right? He, he seems, um, I had not, and I'm going to say bias for me, just based on his name, I assumed he was probably less interesting or more country. I didn't know about his whole performance art, uh, musical approach to comedy at all. And then I heard about him and thought, oh, this seems interesting, but I don't really have the time to, like, get into somebody's whole thing. And, yeah, so when I watched the specials, I was entertained, but then also you could see he's constantly working stuff out, and I don't mean his act. I mean, like, his, you know, anxiety and social issues. Yeah. How how did you how did you actually enjoy his did you enjoy his specials? How is a weird way to put that question? Did you enjoy his specials? I would say it was uneven. There were points where I felt that okay, this is just funny. There were points where he was, you know, clearly sort of low-key talking about his own social anxiety and other issues. Uh I struggled with that. A little bit, but not because I don't think that's okay for an artist to do on stage, just because I almost, I feel like just watching it, and again, after watching Nanette, it almost feels like anybody compared to like that level of sort of raw open sharing is holding back, but that could just be kind of a young dude thing in that he is being super open, but he's being super open for him. Uh, the other thing is uh, some of his uh, lady stuff is, I get it, you had a couple of tough breakups, but, and it very similar to the way people could say some genres of music talk about women is just very disrespectful, but still funny, so thinking I shouldn't be laughing at this as a woman, but it's hella funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it the, the I fuck sluts so I, I, song? I think that was it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't remember that one too closely. You know, what actually stuck out in my mind weirdly enough, which was for me a great joke. Um, did you see the film last year, the Kumail Nanjiani film? Um, the Big, the Big Sick? Sick? Yeah. Yeah, so he was in that movie. He played one of the comedian friends. Um, and he has this one joke in there, which I, to this day, like, I adore it too much. Like, I'm sure many people will tell me, Andrew, that's 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 a chil children's stuff. Um, he's, like, starting this conversation on stage and he's talking to you. He's like, 
like in the world we're so tiny like in the in the grand scheme of things all of these things like the world the universe it's expanding and it keeps going on making it bigger and bigger and bigger talking about how we're how um the edges are never found and how we are like this size and and then eventually he breaks down and he's just like so what if i forgot your birthday once come on <laughs> and like in my like in my head like with his with his intonation and the way he kind of just brings out everything like you don't know that this conversation is about like a man and a woman having an argument over something you just he's talking to you about the universe it's like that's the thing i love about what's going on with him i actually recently heard an interview with him talking on film spotting with adam kempenar and it was about eighth grade and they talked a lot about his his art and the things he finds interesting and how um the stuff that he works on when it came to stand-up, like he talked about a lot of his issues using irony and um, satire and all of these ways to kind of get at, you mentioned it, his anxiety and also other things going on in the world that he thinks really isn't about himself, but he has to make the story about himself to then make it work in a stand-up setting. Um, And he found that method of um bringing ideas forward effective for comedy right because it it gets the joke working but not always effective for like getting the idea across and he and i've heard him talk about this repeatedly um the ways in which the mass media takes up that same approach to marketing other things to us so he loves to poke at things like deadpool or things um what was the other thing he i can't remember or, or like for example um com- late night comedians talking about donald trump where they they use the same effective tool of irony and satire to kind of get at trump and all of these things but like how do you satirize trump trump himself is a satire to a lot of people like if you had taken donald trump um, the way he is and like put him in the middle of a 1960s Monty Python sketch, he would fit perfectly, right? You would find him comically hilarious, but to look at him in the real world, like you're just confused. And that's like a thing of the internet age where we are so quick to use this method, all of us to use irony and satire and sarcasm in such ridiculous ways that it's almost impossible to use it now for the ways it was used 50 years ago to make any real point. Like it's just now it's just like throwaway. Um, he talks about Deadpool and Deadpool throughout all of their marketing campaigns. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed some, I enjoyed some of Deadpool's marketing campaigns, but I understand what he's getting at where Deadpool is there and going like, I got it. I got me and you, we got this together. We know that this is ridiculous. I'm Deadpool. I'm doing this thing. Oh, look, there's a Coke can over there. Um, and winking at you. But at the end of the day, this is like a multi-trillion dollar company do winks. And what really is it trying to get across? Um, and I, I, I don't discredit his thoughts. I mean, definitely at the end of the day, with Deadpool, I'm mostly entertained. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the new movie. I liked some of it, didn't like others. Um, but yeah, like it's it's something I find interesting coming from him, and it's and not to sound like a condescending prick, but it's weirdly interesting to for me to hear this. I think he's like 26 or 27 now. Year old talk about all of these ideas because like he's he seems way 
I don't know what it is, but whenever I hear him talk about all these concepts and ideas, I'm like, yeah, man, like you've definitely got some of these things thought out really well. I wish I had like a brain like yours sometimes. And yet then he shows his age when he does talk about relationship stuff. It's like, oh, that's a 20 odd year old. Yeah, so it's a very, very sort of mature, you know, social commentary, looking at things, analysis, and then, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, I liked it, but I'd say under the the pile of things that I would go back to when I just want to forget that um, the world's terrible, I might not watch that show yet. It's like, I'm not going to watch Nanette if I just want a few, few yucks. It's it's amazing, but his his stuff. You know, you are required to think a little more. There are moments where you're he's feeling feelings, which is still good. And I'd say uh, there's a lot more of that. I'm sure there were always people performing that, but I'd say there's probably more people uh, feeling safer to put that kind of stuff in their sets ever since the whole Tignataro thing with. Her doing that show uh, when she uh, found out that she was uh, had cancer, and like that, uh, the recording of that performance and everything, it kind of blew up and like really raised her profile. Uh, so I feel like since then, uh, there's definitely been probably more willingness on sort of the part of people or companies or venues to feature an artist doing a show that has more personal stuff. So I'm sure this maybe was always happening. Maybe it wasn't, but I think it's a lot more available now. So there's, there's fewer <laughs> like joke machine people out there that at least that you're seeing getting the specials that um, Netflix is shoving in front of my face. And maybe again, it's just based on what I watch. Maybe that's, I feel like that because Netflix is saying, so, you like to laugh, but feel things while you're laughing. You may also like, and is sort of recommending these things to me. Um, if you'd like to laugh and keep feeling things while you're thinking and you're looking at Netflix, if you haven't seen it, you should probably check out Neil Brennan's special called Three Mics. I did. I, I watched that. I you've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I like the, Neil Brennan. Like I didn't know. He, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, I like the way he sort of broke it up and had like different kind of joke formats. It was like very clear with okay, this is what's happening now, and then he would switch to another format. But yeah, you were gonna talk about him and uh, Chappelle. Yeah, I I didn't know he was like the, the he was the other face of the Chappelle show and like half baked and all of that work in the in the 90s uh moving towards the 2000s and um i love that special when i got around to seeing it um i think the other one that netflix has done which is kind of like that narrative life story thing is the hassan Minaj um special which i don't know if you'd call it a comedy special or if it's just like a performance show or whatnot but it was a great show when i got around seeing on netflix i think that high school ex-girlfriend wouldn't call it a comedy show i think she'd call it a dragging but yeah (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was funny as hell i mean it's a life story what who it's how is it not going to happen at some point right if 
this is the way I view it. Like, if it's real enough, if it's if there's enough honesty in it, I really don't see how it could become. It could be really negative because he's just being honest to what he experienced, right? Yeah, it's finding the, there are three sides to every story: his, hers, and the truth. Right? And, and the other brown guy that she ended up with. So four in that case. <laughs> Because I gotta. Oh, I should I, watch that special again. I so want to know if that guy knew that there'd ever been a him when they first met. Because that's I'm that's the button on that bit that I, I'm super interested in. If like five years from now, he's like, yeah, I, I bumped into that guy and he came over to me at a bar, sat down, and like, I need to know. Like, th- I would love to hear that story. Because I'm sure that was like an interesting um, conversation he, that at that night at home, like ha- whenever he found out, whether she told him right away when he reached out or whether he found out later when the special came out on TV. Or maybe some friends know. of his told him, like, um, who knows? Yeah, but that's I think that would be a real life uh, great sort of button to have on that a few years later. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what that guy thinks. Anyway, so yeah, I, I uh, after I, I watched Bo Burnham, I decided to have a little bit of a, a palate cleanse uh, of something more just kind of regular, uh, let's say generic trash funny. And I watched a movie that I didn't watch when it came out in the theater, although I'd seen the first movie. This one's a sequel. Uh, partially because of one of the people in the sequel. But, and I'm just going to say this, I feel like in the current political uh, climate, uh, Mel Gibson doesn't seem that bad anymore. So I watched Daddy's Home 2, and it's pretty funny. I love love that. He doesn't seem that bad anymore. I love that too much. I mean, I want that to be my shirt. He doesn't seem that bad anymore. He really doesn't. And it's like, it's mostly, it's almost all white people, you know, written and directed by white people, starring mostly white people. But I had a great old time. That movie's hilarious. Uh, the little girl who also plays the daughter on Lucifer, her character really popped in the second one. She has a great bit. Uh, on a family trip into the woods. I don't even want to spoil it because if you ever watch it, it's probably one of the funniest parts of the movie to me. And I'm usually never the one who's like, oh, the, the bit with the adorable Moppet was my favorite part of the movie. But it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And yeah, like I laughed out loud a bunch of times. And, you know, they they added... Uh, so original Daddy's Home had your uh, Mark of Marky Mark fame. And Will Ferrell. And then this one added their dads, played by John Lithgow and Mel Gibson. And then the uh, there's another stepfather or bio dad that's being added to the mix, which is played by John Cena. And then another uh, woman. Uh, Does, do I, you Alice, get more John Cena in this movie? Uh, you, you get a... Listen, there's never enough John Cena. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That man is, he's pretty fantastic. And he does get to actually do a brief I, bit I of singing. I enjoy him. 
I enjoy him in pretty much every movie I've seen him in. That wasn't like a WWE movie. And uh, Alessandra Ambrosio, who's uh, basically playing the kind of role that women who are uh, models who are that just outlandishly attractive usually get cast at, but she adds something to it. And she's also quite good. And Linda Cardellini was also in the original. So, yeah, it was it was a good time. Yeah, Daddy's Home too. If you're okay with racist grandpas, then I'd say give her a go. Again, look I around, only have one question. Look around the world. Mel Gibson, is he really that bad anymore? Relatively speaking. If we're grading, <laughs> if we're grading old white dudes on a curve, uh, I mean, yeah. Has he has he reached the age where you can consider him like grandpa racist? Where you're like, well, you're old enough that you'll die soon, so I won't I won't fight you. <laughs> I mean, he's he's aging now. Like you can tell, he's not. He hasn't. He's gone past that weird phase that um, actors have, where like Tom Cruise now, you can see he's like tried to stop aging, but he definitely is aging. Mel Gibson looks like he's comfortable. Well, maybe not comfortable, but he's playing a grandpa in a movie, and he's a grandpa. Like, he looks like a grandpa. Like, a grandpa that's body is probably better than most, you know, 30-year-old men, but still a grandpa. Um, so, yes, my one question for Daddy's Day, Daddy's, Daddy's Home 2, um, does Bill Burr return? I believe so. I think he may have, like, one line. Because I... I actually really didn't like the first Daddy's Daddy's Home, but the one thing I loved about that movie was somewhere in the end, like Bill Burr randomly appeared and had like a crazy awesome scene. Oh yeah, I think there was one line that he said. Yeah, but it wasn't like the he had a. You're right, a much larger part or uh, a part that popped a bit more in the first one. He does get a throwaway line. In the second one. Okay. Yeah. All right. But there's more John Cena, so yeah. maybe I'll try it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, like, rush to Netflix to queue that one up. I'm just saying if you're home and you feel like, I don't feel like watching anything that's going to make me think too much, then put it on. I mean, it's technically a Christmas movie, but who cares? I mean, now that Bruce Willis is trying to say that Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, which, you know what? Fuck you, Bruce Willis. I feel like if there's anything that was going to make Alan Rickman rise out of the grave to give him an Avada Kedavra, and I know I'm mixing my movies there, listener, I don't care, that would be it. Because it is the Christmas movie, not just a Christmas movie. Anyway, I feel like you could watch a Christmas movie any time of the year. Sometimes you just want to watch people wear yeah, fun that's sweaters. that's what they're meant for. Yeah. It's an excuse to bring a bunch of characters together that maybe wouldn't normally be in one confined space so you can have the farce type uh, comedy spill over the edges of that. And that's why Christmas movies uh, work. One of the many reasons is because you bring all these people together that wouldn't be together unless it was this time of year. Yeah. So, yeah, Daddy's Home too. My surprise. Huh. That wasn't terrible. I laughed a couple times. Yeah. So, you know, if you feel like watching that, I don't know. But I've been almost exclusively Netflix. I honestly don't even know why I have cable anymore. 
I almost feel like I should cancel it and then restart it when Game of Thrones starts in the first half of 2019, but whatever. I don't know. We'll see. Or you could do like me and pay for a VPN and HBO Now and just watch it like that. I may have to do that. Yeah, so... Uh, I've been talking about HBO. I've been watching this show called Sharp Objects. I have not watched that have you, yet. Have you tried this? No, but I, it's a it's a Marty. Oh, it's so good. It's a Marty Noxon joint, and everything I listen to, everybody I listen to, like podcasts and people who write things, they're all telling me to get on board. So I will watch it. Jean Marc Vallée directing. Amy Adams um, is in it. There's also Patricia Clarkson, who's great in that show. Like, I, I, I enjoy that show a lot. And Chris Messina's doing the work. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun because people keep selling it as, like, the next project um, based on a book by Gillian Flynn. Um, or Gillian Flynn, I don't know what's the right pronunciation. The person who wrote the book for Gone Girl. Um, uh, and... The show is like I for some reason I'm expecting this to be like a short series, but I don't know what the episode count they're aiming at. They've just finished the fourth episode just aired. I watched it last night. It's it's a great show that I'm enjoying a real lot. Listen, Jillian or Gillian, Jillian Flynn, she's just been beast mode for more than a minute. She also wrote the screenplay for Widows with Steve McQueen. So, yeah, definitely. I will check out. I might check it out. I might start checking it out tonight. Who knows? So anything else you've been watching? Um, yeah, and we... just also also to throw it in there, because we threw past Bo Burnham really quickly. I really love his movie, Eighth Grade. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't. That um, just opened up, right? Yeah, it's it's been playing in Toronto. It's just kind of moved around. It's... It's a great movie. Um, story about an eighth grade teenage girl set today. Um, she is a YouTube person. Um, she has a YouTube series which tries to be like life lessons. So she does a lot of videos which are like how to be yourself. And she talks very much like that. Um, and it's it's a really interesting movie. And it's one of the things that I noticed about myself watching movies that are centered around um young children so much so that i find myself as time has gone on connecting a lot more with the adults of the movies than the children and i guess that's just natural um where i see scenes like for example there's a, a, a scene early on in the movie where um the father is at the dinner table with his daughter and trying to connect with her but she's like sitting there with her cell phone and her headphones in and just not wanting to have a conversation um and he's just like i just want to say this one thing and so much of me watching that scene is part cringeworthy because i guess of how i grew up a little bit where like behavior like that wouldn't be very much appreciated at the dinner table um <laughs> when i was growing up I mean, um, much less. I remember, but your parents probably <laughs> could lay hands on you, as mine could as well. Like, uh, uh, now, children don't get beat for sassing at the dinner table. We're still get like a timeout <laughs> or get their you know charging cords taken away from them for a couple of hours. 
Um, which continues to put the fear of God into me of ever having a child where, like, I don't know how I'd not go to jail. Um, not to say anything about child abuse, because child abuse is definitely bad. But, guys, let's figure out where, the, like, you guys need to actually realize that the line isn't that close. Right? <laughs> um, the... <laughs> The, the all of it going in, like it's it's this crazy movie and of course like I've listened to a ton of interviews with Burnham and I found it interesting where he's talking about it where he thinks that a lot of world today is operating on an eighth grade level mentally where we're all like not just with technology but like the way that um, we produce ourselves to the internet including this moment right now where we're talking and we're then releasing this as a podcast um where um, he started out, Bo Burnham started out as a YouTube sensation and a Vine sensation and went viral and became a big thing and then became a stand-up comedian and did all of these great stuff. But somehow the way he describes it, which is an interesting way to look at it, um, is that like he did his things where he was like, I did a comedy bit and they're done, end of story, and you like it or you dislike it. He didn't have to say, please like or subscribe. But we live in a day and age where every YouTube channel is a guy, whether it's tutorializing, explaining, um, idolizing or editorializing an, a, con a piece of comment to make their own version of content for the world or the internet, and then it becomes just like and subscribe to keep my my world going right to keep this this list going and keep me continually down this path and then he wanted to take a look at somebody where they don't have that viral sensation people continually asked him like how did it feel to become a viral sensation he's like i don't know um but this movie on a on a regardless of that is just a great weird current like teenage story there are scenes that are funny just because not really of a joke but because of how burnham kind of twists them so there's a scene where like she goes to like a pool party and you can see like with the music and everything the anxiety ridden in her as she has to like walk out into that pool for the very first time and she's just kind of lost at everything around her and i love every piece of this movie so much and i hate that all of my podcast co-hosts will hate this movie. I might like it. I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about my, my brother and my friend Damien. When I talk to them about this in another two days, they're going to look at me and say, Andrew, you're lying. And then six months from now, when they see it, they're like, I told you, you lied to me. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm predicting it from now. Right. Because it's just the, the way of the world. <laughs> that's too bad well I'll give it a try and I promise to lie to you if I hate it and tell you I loved it if that makes you feel thank any you better. I appreciate that you're welcome mm. so <laughs> we got to talk about some tiff stuff at least for a hot second uh they did the okay all right tiff stuff yeah so they announced the Canadian movies uh one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on again is my other podcast partner, Mel, she has gone on record many times as saying that she doesn't watch Canadian movies. Back when it was a separate section in red in the program book, she would just slide by that whole chunk. She doesn't watch them, doesn't pick them. I mean, and I'm sure she's watched a few in her lifetime, but just like... What's she, your status? I like a movie if it's 
you know, if it hits my quadrants, if it ticks my boxes that we talked about last week, you know, ladies' colors, or is it funny, or something else. So, or am I learning something interesting? I'm, but I will say the production value of English Canada movies, uh, historically, at least the ones that get into the film festival, aren't as good as uh, French Canadian movies. So I would say I would go. I will always go for a French-Canadian movie over an English-Canadian movie if I'm down to, like, a couple of choices in the same time slot. Hell, I'll go for a French-Canadian movie or a France-French movie, but that's more because who normally programs those beers for the festival. So, yeah, I, uh, I saw Les Affamés last year. That was one of my favorite movies, the zombie movie. It was really good. It won one of the awards, I think. Uh, but yeah, I went through some of the Canadian stuff. I don't normally see do a shortcuts. I've done it twice, maybe in 10 years, because there's usually one movie I really want to see and the rest I'm like, meh. So that's the problem sort of with the shortcuts. You don't get to pick the four or five that are in the pack. So you pick it based on maybe one or two or that, you know, again, it fits in a hole and then, yeah. So what about you with Canadian movies? Do you watch? Them? Haven't 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 they recently? Haven't they recently started putting the shortcuts like online pretty much throughout the festival for people to kind of see what they want? Oh. I remember that somehow. I don't remember that. I guess that must be newer because I know the last time. I think I saw. I've seen shorts in like they take theater. it down. They take it down after the festival is done. I think. But like for that short period, like you can, I think I can't remember where it is they post them, but they post them somewhere where you can just kind of watch them if you want. Um, do you? I've done the shortcuts once. Okay. Um, and where do you stand on Canadian movies in general? Canadian movies in general, um, I, I don't know to be honest. Like I. Like there are very few filmmakers who I know are Canadian and there are very few filmmakers who I know are Canadian, but they've kind of grown and they now work in whatever industry. Say, for example, Denis Villeneuve, right, where like a few of his older films, um, I saw Polytechnique, which I wasn't actually a huge fan of. Um, but everything else I've seen from him has pretty much been on Sandy's forward. So I know on Sandy's, I think, was a Canadian production. Um, and everything subsequent. I don't know if Enemy was a Canadian production, um, but I think everything subsequent to that has been uh, not a Canadian production. Um, one of the names that I know is on this list somewhere, but I I heard is coming for the festival, which is a big name that I love. Pretty much every movie I've seen of his is Xavier Dolan. Yes, um, and. I like that is the one name off of this that pops immediately to me where I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm going immediately if I can. I I love Tom at the farm. I love mother, uh, mommy. I mean, I love um, there's one called hearts. She killed me in the heart or something like that. <laughs> I I've loved every film I've seen of his and it's great. Um, so... I remember I've seen a few the festive. Yeah. Have you watched the any of the... There isn't a tr- good trailer that I could find, but I did watch a couple interviews uh, for the movie that he's going to have at the festival, The Death and Life of John F. Donovan. Do you know who's starring in that movie? It is. I Kit- don't know anything other than he's directing it. Kit Harrington. 
you may know him as Jon Snow from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> he knows nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, I, it looks. Oh, man. It looks beautiful. At least a couple of little bits that I saw on a behind the scenes uh, thing that they shot with style. Oh, and Natalie Portman is in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely it's on a come up. Quite a cast. Yeah. Uh, one of the other big movies, well, big, I guess, for it's directed by Canadian, is uh, The Fall of the American Empire by Denis Arcan. I didn't see, I saw a French trailer. I don't know if there's an English trailer out yet on the TIFF site. I couldn't find one there today. There hopefully will be one uh, by next week or a subtitled one, but the French trailer, even if you don't understand French, it looks good. I mean, I understood most of it, and it definitely, there's, you know, a dude and a couple bags of cash, and uh, there's some intrigue, and it looks like I would enjoy it. And I've watched other Denis Arcan movies at the festival, and I've enjoyed them, so that looks pretty good. Um, Then Anthropocene, which is uh, from the people who brought us Manufactured Landscapes, that's also going to be there. And it looks like I'm going to, if I do see that, I'll end up being, you know, once again, just kind of like, oh, the world is not just a metaphorical trash fire. It's an actual literal trash fire because of the effect that humans have on the environment. So, yay. But it looks beautiful. And that's in the documentary program. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, one of the other big ones. So I'm just looking at the special presentations that are under the Canadian announcement right now is a movie called The Grizzlies, which is giving me a real, like, Mighty Ducks, but with lacrosse-type feel. However, uh, their trailer clip that they have on the TIFF site made me want to see this movie so bad. Uh, the music was good. Uh, the sort of training montage of these kids with their lacrosse sticks uh, running around, just something about it. It felt so Canadian and yet so hilarious. So I'm really into it. And I don't even know the name of the song. I asked a stranger on the internet who is part of the movie what it's called. And someone answered. They didn't even give me a name of the song that's used in the clip. So it may not even have a name yet. But it's a new piece created for the film. It's a collaboration between Inuk rapper 666God, Tanya Tagak, and DJ Shub of Tribe Called Red. So, Yeah. If anything, you'll just... Tribe Called Red. Oh, yeah. You've not heard of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been around for a minute. So nope. any, anyway, uh, if it, anything, you'll get a, uh, maybe a new playlist of banging uh, Canadian songs out of that soundtrack if you go see that one. But I think of the movies that I looked at, The Grizzlies was the one that I was most interested in, the one that made me do the biggest kind of WTF was the trailer clip they have on the TIFF site for The Great Darkened Days, La Grande Noisure, uh, Maxime Giroux's absurdist allegory about a Quebec would-be actor stuck in a wildly disordered society dominated by an unseen fascistic leader eerily conjures the idea of the other currently playing out in the real world. I don't know if I want to see this. It looks pretty fucked up, though, man. It's crazy. If you, if you watch the clip, I think it's Sarah Gadon's in it, and I think there was somebody else I recognized, but it was hard to tell because their their mouth was covered in a Bane-type way. I don't want to get into it. Anyway, 
you might want to check that one out. Like, not the movie, but the the trailer snippet that they have on the TIFF site for The Great Darkened Days. And, and uh, tweet at me later your thoughts after watching that, if, I, if you think I'm crazy to even consider putting it in my schedule. <laughs> um, I like the clip that they have up there for um, Kingsway, um, the Bruce Sweeney film. And I don't know what it is, but I always kind of gravitate toward the, towards these movies where it looks like a family gets together in their house and just things explode over like the period of a short time. And that's kind of what the clip kind of gave me a vibe of. Um, I don't know how you feel about it if you've gotten a chance to look at that one. I haven't um, looked at that one. Splinters. Yeah, Splinters, I have absolutely no idea what to expect from it. Like, the scene they have up there is pretty much just um, a girl on a beach, beachside, just drinking a bottle and, like, complaining to who I assume is her brother. And it sounds like they're at a funeral for their father, and she's just like, yeah, he hated me. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to feel about this movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Those are the other two there. I didn't get around to seeing much else. I saw like the the clip for the documentary Carmine Street, Street Guitars. Oh yeah, um, which yeah. The guy from the Roots was in the like, clip. Yeah, it's it's a documentary about music. Like it's the kind of thing that like that would be the type of movie that if I had like a big pack of tickets and I needed to fill a spot, that's the type of movie I'd fill in there because I'd at the very least be guaranteed like a lot of interesting music. Yeah. That's, that's when you grab a documentary because usually they're shorter than uh, theatrical films. Usually unless it's, you know, your lake of fires or whatnot. And you're filling your holes with good stuff instead of, you know, just putting populist trash in there. So I really, uh, I do want to see that one. What was that called? Carmine street, something street guitars. Yeah. About this dude who makes uh, custom guitars. And in the clip they had captain Kirk Douglas. You may know him as the guy playing guitar for the roots on the Fallon show, uh, in the little clip that they showed. But yeah, I'm, I would definitely put that in uh, my schedule. It's almost too easy with the documentaries. They're almost all good. So uh, I almost... I enjoy like the doc segment that they genuinely have for the festival. Yeah. I watched the the trailer for Clara. Uh, it has uh, one of the women who was a pretty little liar before. Uh, I don't know. It was giving me kind of like a... A weird um, tree of life meets wrinkle in time kind of vibe, so I'm not sure how I feel about it. Oh, right. I did see that one. Like, yeah, that looks weird. I don't know. Like, Maybe they just yeah. need a better trailer. They should have gone more interstellar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the budget, though. Not everybody has that Nolan budget. But I feel like the trailer should have picked one of those things to be like to get me to understand. Or maybe it is equally both those things or maybe neither. Who knows? Um, There's a movie. Sometimes I put something in a hole just because of the title. This is one of those ones. It's called um, Les Solopes or The Naturally Wanted Pleasure of Skin. Uh, It is... A happily married wife and mother 
with a promiscuous secret life must confront the consequences her choices have for her family and career when a scandal threatens to shed light on her affairs. In this introspective drama about the nature, limits, and consequences of desire. I just remember, uh, especially, salop was one of those first dirty words I learned in French after uh, merde. Uh, and once again, thank you, patriarchy, for taking all the fun out of learning the dirty words in a new language because you realize it's just another way to tell a woman to keep her legs closed. But yeah, so definitely interested in that one. And I might pick it just because of the title. I just had to look that up. Okay. (laughs) Um, What else can I pick out out of this list? Um, I think it's kind of dumb for there to be a documentary called What is Democracy? Because, like, come on, guys. I don't need you to tell me how bad the the political climate is and whatever. And I don't know about you on this note. I ignore anything that's wavelengths. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't do wavelengths. Never have, never will. Yeah, we are aligned there. I won't even, I don't think I'll ever even have anyone on the podcast who goes to wavelengths because I've got nothing to say to you besides, really? Um, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm just scrolling through here and I don't know what else to really pick out of this, this list. That's Um, often what the Canadian announcement is like now. Uh, The one thing I do like is that they do have, instead of their own program, they have all the Canadian movies, but then they sort of sort them into the program that makes the most sense for the type of film it is. So I do like, instead of it just being this chunk of red in the book, that you do have like your big ones, your Dolans, your whatevers in special presentations. Uh, You have your uh, sort of newer creators in the discovery section. Uh, The documentaries are in the documentary. They aren't like in the Canadian part of the books. You're like, oh, shit, I missed like a documentary I might have wanted to see just because it was in that red section. Like, I do like that. Um, it is still, they can kind of get buried once you're doing your selections in the book. So that is, again, listener, I'm saying that, oh, I want to see that, I want to see that. And if you're counting on your fingers, you're thinking, oh, well, she's already used all of her tickets up. Obviously, I'm not going to see all the movies that I'm interested in. I never do. But that's, if you're seeing more than 20, you have to make a really, really long, long list because of, you know, timing conflicts and just, you know, laziness. If I don't want to have to run between Ryerson and the light box, I might just make a different choice just due to sloth. So, you know, I I do like going through the Canadian movies now because the last couple of years I've had some really nice surprises that were small Canadian movies that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't done the research ahead of time. Cool. That's good. Um, What has been your favorite Canadian surprise out of the festival ever, if you can remember? Oh, for fuck's sake. I know I walked into that one, but now I have to try to think of it. (laughs) I mean, I did like public school last year a lot. I think that technically came up under uh, the Canadian category. Uh, For sure, I think it did, actually. Uh, I remember there was a lot of Canadian folks there for that one. Um, Trying to think what else. I I did actually really like 
Les May last year, too. And I'm not really that into zombie movies either. So that was a surprise for me that I liked that one as much as I did. Um, let's see. I want to go back too far because that's the thing with some of these smaller Canadian movies. They're hard to find afterwards as well. So if you don't see them um, at the festival or like if CBC doesn't have them or something else, you may not get a chance to watch it. Uh, God, one of the other Archon movies could have been The Decline of the American Empire. It was probably that. I saw that quite a few years back. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say I always go into Canadian movies and, again, bias with slightly lower expectations. So I always, uh, am mildly pleased when I like them as much as I do. Uh, for one movie that I really liked, but it's one of those that I can't suggest to a lot of people because um, the premise is a little bit out there. It was called Control-Alt-Delete. It was from 2008. I saw that at the festival. Uh, it's set at an IT firm uh, just before Y2K. And the lead character, uh, played by uh, Tyler Labine, now, you may know him as uh, the other guy to Ryan Gosling on Breaker High. Uh, he finds himself, and I'm reading this off Wikipedia, increasingly distracted by his computer-mediated sexual yearnings. So there's something his character does in the film that I, I mean, I, I don't want to describe it because it would spoil it for someone if they were ever to manage to dig this film up. But it's it's a little bit bent in terms of its premise and what this character does. So, yeah. But yeah, that one I went into and I think I saw it mostly because of Tyler Labine. So it was a huge Breaker, breaker High stand. And I really enjoyed it and I laughed a lot. It is not... I would put it in the same genre as like a Bobcat kind of movie where these are the kind of movies that you wouldn't necessarily recommend them to people that you work with because if they looked up what the movie was about or went to see it based on your recommendation and you didn't really know a lot about their personal lives and what they were into, they could come back to work and think you're strange and or have you hauled into HR, whatever. So I finally found the movie I wanted to mention. Um, I saw it in 2013. Um, it's called Sarah Prefers to Run. Um, I don't know if you ever got around to checking out this movie. Um, it's by this lady, Chloe Grobichard. I'm sure I'm ruining that name. You can correct me. I'm bad at French. Um, and it's about a young girl in a school track team. Um, and if I remember, like, she eventually like leaves home and leaves school and tries to become like a professional runner but maybe it doesn't all work out and it's a bunch of things but it was a really interesting movie for me um i thought it was pretty good so did you just like deliberately ask me a hard question so you have time to find the answer to it yourself yes uh, respect i like it i like how your mind works. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> um, you see, you see, this, these are the th- tricks I do when I start to podcast in distance where I can quietly sit down and research while I'm listening. And I'm like, I know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll respond soon and I can look up things. But when I'm doing podcasts with people face to face, I'm like, God damn it. I have to do this without looking it up. Um, <laughs> they can see that I'm like looking while I'm not, while we're talking. Um, yeah, you totally I've actually heard like podcasts or people where where people actually do that face to face where they're like um someone's talking and they're like looking up the answer to their question while they're talking so that they know they have like three minutes to get to their answer. And they're like, No, we get used to it. We 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 understand that this is how our podcast is doing. It's supposed to sound like we're like we're intuitive um for the listener, but for us here seeing all of the show being done, like I know he's like looking at his notes and making sure everything's fine. Oh, oh, there were a couple in 2015. Uh, Sleeping Giant, which I think won one of the awards that year. And my internship in Canada, which was really good and kind of sweet. That year, though, 2015, I think I went a little overboard. I saw too many movies that year. That's the year that I got the midnight, the full Midnight Madness pass in addition to like my 30 because I was paranoid that they were going to make Green Room premium and I couldn't take the risk of not seeing Patrick Stewart. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you saw Patrick Stewart. So I don't know. You made the right decision. And Anton Um, Yelchin was there. So, yeah, I feel like I regret that. Not at all. It was a good choice. But yeah, those two movies, Canadian, really good. And I was actually quite worried because I saw them on the same day. And I usually, you know, try not to have two Canadians in a row because they're, again, it's the production value. They're not always that good. So, like, no shade. It's just, you know, when you see the money on the screen, it makes a difference. But yeah, I'm glad I did see both of those movies. And I really, really liked my internship in Canada way more than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but I do go into Canadian movies with lower expectations. So there is that. But I'm also I'm getting better at picking them. And that, again, comes with years of, you know, looking at who's programmed it. Uh, Definitely, uh, I think uh, Magali, she's the one that I think that programs a lot of Canadian movies. Uh, I don't think she was working for them or at least she wasn't at this level when I first started going. So now I definitely, uh, yeah, Magali smart. I think she's picking movies. When I see her intro Canadian movie, I tend to, it's not like a Jane feeling where I know for sure I'll really enjoy it, but I feel a little more secure usually. So yeah, it's one of those things where once you find a programmer that, uh, aligns to your tastes, then you can just keep, letting them serve you things. Yeah. So that's it for my thoughts on the Canadians. Did you have any other Canadian ones you wanted to talk about? Uh, Or a boot? Uh, No. (laughs) Am I allowed to make that joke? Is that okay? Um. (laughs) You've you've lived here for a while, but maybe, maybe when you get to sort of two years in Canada, you can start to make fun of our accent. All right. I'll, I'll wait a year. Okay, I'll wait a year. Um, 
Um, no, I don't, like out of this, I think we've gone through what makes sense and what's to be kind of brought up. Um, I I don't even know what else in this list would even make sense. I saw something for Edge of the Knife, but it didn't really look that good to me. Um, but yeah, it's whatever. And again, listener, in the words of uh, LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow, you don't have to take my word for it. It's just I go through this every year and I like certain things. So if you've liked other things I've said I like, then maybe if you want to go CanCon and just see one or two Canadian movies, hopefully we've helped. Maybe not. Maybe you stopped listening the minute you heard my barely contained excitement about Patrick Stewart early on and you're not even listening to this now. So why am I talking to you? I don't know. I don't know. But Andrew, we will for sure have you back. Uh, because I'm very interested to hear your thoughts when either the full announcements come out or after you've made your selections, if you are going to see more than a small handful. So if that's okay, consent is important. Do you, yeah, I'm, I'm around. Yeah. And you're, you're entertaining as all, all heck. Yeah. So we'll stay out of trouble. I just have to say... <laughs> that we have some breaking news. <gasps> no, what? Right, some breaking news, not TIFF related. My brothers have just sent me the most important announcement of movies in the last decade. Um, they finally posted a trailer for FP2. Wait, what? There's no way you couldn't have been around me for like the last decade and not heard me go crazy about this this god-awful, amazingly bad movie called the FP. I don't think I've heard you Do talk you about this. Do you recall this movie? No, no. Oh my god. It is so amazingly bad. It is, <laughs> it is a movie about a dystopian future in which some version of DDR comes like a battle dancing thing that has clans battling against each other. It is so god awfully awesome. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And the guy who made the guy who's made it has just finally posted the trailer um for the sequel called FP two Beats of Rage. This is breaking news here on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I didn't even know that the first one existed. Now I have to find that and then also watch the trailer for this. I'll, I'll watch the trailer for FP2 first, though. What, how, so many questions. First off, why did you watch the first one? Um, I don't remember why at this point. Um, I saw, I saw, I, I think it was that I saw like the opening scene, which basically what you see is the battle between um, the hero and like the villain and the villain wins and like he pretty much dies in real life because he lost at a DDR dance fight. And it's so dumb. Like it's so unconscionably dumb, right? And I just had to see more. <laughs> there is a speech towards in the middle of that movie about how um, th- 
there are no more bums in the town, and because there are no more bums, there's no one to feed the ducks with on the, on the lake. And how are you going to live life without no ducks to look at in the in the park to like make you think about shit? And the town is dying, and it's so amazingly dumb. I love that movie. Um, but yeah, bad. Like I don't want to pretend like it's. A good it's just an awfully bad amazing movie <laughs> will this be a quick look and see if it's on netflix will this be shown in theaters so it's i can find it's not on netflix there's a imdb page uh so listener for you also to search for the title beats of rage uh you could find it by that a little bit easier because the uh, the fp brings up a lot of uh, motocross racing things, but uh, if you go for Beats of Rage, that uh, beat, as in what you should do to your children, if you were allowed to legally when they sass you at the dinner table, we do not condone child abuse. But yeah, I have... Oh! I see. They had an Indiegogo that they... how they raised some of the money for the film. I have... I have a lot of clicking on links that I'm sure will make me cringe laugh uh, to do after we get off the podcast. So, yeah, thank you for this bit of delicious trash. See, listener, I love trash. It's great. You're just watching the trailer now. All right, listener, we've lost lost Andrew. He's he's gone. (laughs) He's gone (laughs) into DDR world. And, and DDR, I'm assuming it is. Uh, I'm assuming you mean Dance Dance Revolution, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, they call it Beats Beats Revolu- Revolution, but it's re- for us to understand what I'm talking about. It's DDR. It's Dance Dance Revolution, right? Yes, I I did. I never really got fully into proper DDR, but uh, was it GameCube? I think GameCube. Or with the Wii, one of them. They came out with like a Mario dance dance, and it was like dance versions of all the Super Mario songs. And I bought that game and I finished it. It was also good exercise. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I this this trash movie is very relevant to my interests. I'm very excited. Yeah, we're totally getting distracted now because I'm literally just wanting to click on the trailer. For Beats of Rage. So uh, we will end now. Thank Andrew for your time. And we will have you back uh, either, I'd say before the festival starts, at least one more time. And wh- any other time you no want to come back next year. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>